You are listening to From the Midwest to the Middle East, the latest on U.S. tax, Israeli economy, and lots of in-between. Interviewing Israeli and international experts. Chicago, Chicago. Welcome to our podcast. I am Philip Stein, president of Philip Stein & Associates. I will show you Hi, I'm very pleased today to have a guest uh, actually uh, speaking to you from uh, just outside New York City, Max Carpel. Max is an attorney with the firm of Kleinberg and Kaplan. Max advises private investment and hedge funds as well as public and private companies on a wide range of corporate and security matters. A significant part of Max's practice involves Israeli matters. He advises Israeli hedge fund managers in connection with U.S. activities, and he also represents U.S. and international investors in Israeli high-tech ventures and Israeli clients raising capital and making investments in the United States and Europe. In addition, he was recently among one of the organizers of a hedge fund conference that was held this past June in Israel. Max, thank you for coming on today. Philip, well, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So let me uh, go to the, my first question, which is, what, what are the reasons you believe Israel is a country that has potential to develop a large or a hedge fund industry? There's a few different reasons. Um, I think the first reason is talent. Uh, it's something that you can draw an analogy to the high-tech sector more generally, which is Israelis uh, have uh, expertise that's been built up both by uh, working in Israel, by spending time overseas and working in the financial markets overseas. Israelis have great ideas and, and, and are expert at using technology. And um, using technology, the, the leap from being involved and interested in technology to being an investor isn't a, a huge leap. Uh, there's already Israeli hedge fund managers with great track records, and it's really a matter of developing an ecosystem and a critical mass, which is something that uh, is uh, on the way, in my opinion, is on the way uh, to happening. Okay, so let me ask you, as, as you, we all well know, the, the Israeli high-tech scene uh, came out of the army. Uh, where, where does the hedge fund industry spring from within Israel? Well, so the other the other factor that's uh, that I think makes Israel hospitable to hedge funds is the fact that Israel's are, Israelis are savers. There's a tremendous amount of money uh, saved in Israel uh, because of Israel's pension system, and um, and just historically, Israel has been a, a country where, for uh, legal reasons and for uh, cultural reasons, there have been uh, there's been a lot of savings. Also, the high tech sector, the success of of entrepreneurs in the high-tech sector has led there to be uh, exits where uh, Israeli entrepreneurs have been able to cash out and now have uh, money that needs to be deployed. And so over the last, uh, call it 10, 10 years or, or, or more, uh, sitting here in New York, uh, we've seen the phenomenon of Israelis and Israeli institutions investing in real estate in New York. There's tremendous uh, interest in that and then just tremendous uh, actual deployment of capital into the real estate markets here. Uh, and then there's also uh, in Israel um, a large, uh, you know, as in every country, home bias in terms of investment. But when there's such a large pool of capital, it seems inevitable that uh, once the regulatory um, regime is correct and once people are more familiar with hedge funds as a, uh, an investment, as part of an investment portfolio, that there will be more money allocated to hedge funds. Uh, so that's the other factor that, that's there. 
I wouldn't say that uh, that it's uh, where it could be, but I think where uh, as time goes on, you'll see more uh, Israeli money allocated to hedge funds. And in terms of where the talent comes from, I think it is similar to the high tech space. Uh, you're going to have people coming from the army to the extent that the uh, investing is technology based or, or, or where technology is used as a tool in investing. You could draw on the same pool of talent, uh, meaning the folks who come out of the uh, technology units in the army. But the other, and then those same people might spend some time on Wall Street or in Europe, uh, in London, in, investing, working at working at the internationally recognized managers and um, picking up skills, and uh, and then moving back to Israel, and uh, and then working in that sector. The other area that you'll see talent coming from, and it's already happening, is uh, people who make Aliyah from either the United States uh, or from Europe, and, and particularly France. Oh, very very interesting. I, I was thinking, as you were saying this, that uh, recently we've had done a little work uh, having to do with the, the gas findings here and, and, and that industry. And one of the things that I discovered early on was the fact that the uh, – there's really no local talent either with the you know the technology of drilling, uh, storage, uh, transporting, and, and basically at this stage of the Israeli gas industry, which only recently came online. In other words, there's a lot of foreigners here working. Either they're you know they're from Texas or they're from Scotland, uh, etc. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, I think one of the things that that actually just uh, uh, points to. Uh, leaving aside sort of the people who work in that industry itself, is that is that the oil and gas industry in other countries uh, has generated tremendous amounts of capital that end up in sovereign wealth funds that only recently have, have has found its way into hedge funds. And uh, if if Israel is interested in truly developing a, a world class uh, financial sector, that money should part of that money should be allocated in some way eventually because there'll be large royalties that come out of that gas project. Some of it should be allocated to alternative assets, including hedge funds. Yeah, that that is that has actually been a government decision, uh, and I, I know the Milken Foundation has been involved with uh, with writing a, a report on that and, and the necessity of Israel having a sovereign uh, wealth fund, and uh, it's it's very interesting. And then, of course, you know, going back to the gas. In other words, now for the first time, they're starting up curriculum. Uh, in, in uh, oil and gas or gas exploration at the Technion or, or, or Tel Aviv University, and I'm I'm wondering if you see within these. I don't know if you're familiar with the Israeli university system. You know, do we have equivalents of? Uh, you know, do you need a Harvard Business School here, or or is it just easier to send someone for a few years to the states and then and then send them back here? Well, I think it would be fantastic if there was a. Um if there was more um, focus on finance in Israeli uh, universities, in particular, uh, my understanding is that there isn't currently an MBA program that really has uh, a strong enough finance focus or component, and that that is something that would be incredibly beneficial. I think there's also I think there's uh, lots of people from here who would be interested in helping with that. Um, I mean, one of the reasons that we organized our conference back in June with our co-sponsors um, was to make sure that that uh, hedge funds are more familiar to the Israeli public and to these and to people in the finance industry in Israel and to investors 
the other part of it was to make sure that folks in the United States are aware and in Europe are aware of the fact that there's a nascent and growing hedge fund industry in Israel. But uh, one of the issues that I think the hedge fund industry faces in Israel is a general lack of familiarity um, with what hedge funds are and how they differ from other types of, uh, of, in, of investment funds. All right, so, so let, me, let me ask you, just uh, to maybe give our listeners a hedge fund 101, um, what, what, what's a definition that the layman or, or, or some of my more sophisticated listeners uh, could understand? What, what, what is a hedge fund different than a, a, a private equity or some other type of portfolio-managed uh, account? Well, the, the traditional... Um the traditional hedge fund not only is a uh, is a fund that invests in and takes long and takes long positions in let's say uh, equities. It uh, it also shorts and and in order to hedge its exposure, it'll in addition to investing in um, in, in in long positions, it'll it'll find companies that it believes are are going to in the long run underperform and it'll sell those securities short. And that's something that traditionally mutual funds haven't done. And there's academic uh, studies out there that show that including um, hedging in your strategy uh, produces better results. That's sort of the basic long-short hedge fund. That's sort of the basic uh, hedge fund structure that people uh, think of when they think of hedge funds. It's the, the industries evolve further, and, 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 so, and there's lots of different strategies that hedge funds pursue. But in general, uh, at this point, in the in the U.S. at least, the what, what differentiates hedge funds, uh, the main thing that differentiates hedge funds from other uh, types of, uh, let's say, mutual funds is the investor base. And because the view is from a regulatory standpoint, regulators believe, and I'm, that's a, it's something that that is that's debatable, that only sophisticated investors are really ready for uh, more sophisticated strategies. But in terms of comparing a hedge fund to a private equity fund or a venture fund, because private equity funds and venture funds are uh, much more familiar to Israelis for obvious reasons, especially in the venture world. Uh, venture funds have been so important to Israel's growth. Both venture funds and private equity funds have uh, longer-term horizons. If you invested in those funds, your money would be tied up for a number of years. Hedge funds typically, not, a, not every hedge fund, but in general, hedge funds have more liquidity. Usually, you, you can get your money out after an, an, an initial lockup, uh, on a let's say quarterly basis, so uh, it's much more like you know there isn't necessarily daily liquidity. You know, most the vast majority of hedge funds don't have daily liquidity, but there's a similarity to the mutual fund industry in the sense that an investor investing in a hedge fund isn't expecting to have their money locked up for for you know for a long period of time. Uh, it's a, it's a more liquid. Investment. All right, very, very good. So you you mentioned a, a few moments ago about the regulators. So having done this conference and is you've come to learn about the the hedge fund industry or the nascent industry as you've called it here in Israel, uh, what are the greatest hurdles uh, is that the hedge fund operator in Israel has to overcome? How can you uh, or your firm help help them overcome them? So I should say that it's nascent only in the sense that by Comparison to the industry in the United States, or let's say the um, London-based hedge funds, or perhaps those in, uh, that are based in Hong Kong, compared to the industry in in those international cities at this point, the the industry in Israel is small. There are some large managers by Israeli standards, and they've shown success. And then there's a bunch of smaller ones. 
there's plenty of countries in the world that have no hedge fund managers to speak of. So Israel is already ahead of a lot of other countries in that sense, but it's nascent uh, only in comparison to the hedge fund centers that are out there. So, um, but in terms of regulatory hurdles, there is uh, uncertainty on the tax front um, uh, in the sense that uh, each Israeli hedge fund has been, the way that Israeli hedge funds have been operating is that they obtain, on a one-off basis, they obtain a ruling from the Israeli tax authorities that, uh, that there won't be essentially double uh, taxation on the fund, that the fund won't be taxed. Uh, and the other thing is that there isn't a, um, a basic regulatory regime for hedge fund managers in Israel. And it's not that that's, uh, I mean, basically in the hedge fund industry, the view is that regulation isn't good for the industry. But having some level of basic regulation that's unobtrusive uh, helps institutions international institutions become comfortable and they can check a box that says, is this a regulated investment manager? And, or, is it, or, or is there a regulatory regime that gives us some comfort that, uh, you know, that the money will be custodied with, a, with a, you know, just basic, basic protections that investors uh, in other countries look for? Uh, they, they want to be able to check a box and, and know that, that, that there's basic regulation in place that will protect them. Uh, from you know fraud and from uh, money not being custodied properly, or just the basic protections that they might expect. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me change topics and, and move toward uh, legal, your law firm or, or, or U.S. law firms in general. Why do you think so many U.S. law firms are now attracted to open offices in Israel? I think, uh, first of all, there's been a change in uh, the Israeli legal um, regulatory regime that now makes it possible for, uh, for U.S. law firms to open an office. So um, I think there's been probably interest for a long time on the part of a number of firms to do that, but now there's, um, it's possible to do it. Then there's also just the question from a business standpoint, does it make sense? Uh, most uh, international law firms don't open an office somewhere unless they feel that they need to open it in order to generate the business uh, that they're looking to generate. And historically, Israeli clients have been have not um, necessarily demanded that you have an office, a local office, in order to uh, hire you, and uh, and that's true in most places. Usually, uh, you don't need an office in this day and age. You don't need an office in the actual location in order to do work for that client. Um, there might be a view on the part of some firms that they could gain an advantage if they did have a local office, but. Uh, I think that that's a question that remains to be seen. But you know, how important is it if you're not doing uh, Israeli legal work uh, for in an international law firm that isn't practicing Israeli law? Really, um, doesn't need to have an office in the country where it's operating. If you're litigating locally, if you're providing Israeli legal advice, or if you need uh, you know employees who are licensed in Israel, then it would might make sense. Or if you're going to be, let's say, providing outsourced legal services, and uh, you might want to have people who are licensed in other countries located in Israel where maybe labor costs are lower. Uh, but I think the, mo the, the real driver recently is the fact that now it's possible. It used to just not be allowed. You couldn't have an office in Israel. And now that it's possible, I think there's more interest. So that's, that's what I think has been driving it recently. Okay. When you, you've, you've been traveling here, and, and again, as you were here in the conference in June, when you look at 
you're you know you're very familiar obviously with the US law firm and, and its culture uh the Israeli law firms where do you see the biggest differences in terms of the you know how firms operate or what they're how, how they're focused toward their clients and services etc well the truth is i mean i think the large israeli law firms are very similar to uh, international law firms there's a very high level of sophistication um the if you i mean we one thing that is very apparent when you go into um, some of the newer offices is just how similar they are in terms of their layout their appearance um sort of the quality of the furnishings everything i mean you know there's beautiful offices they're designed and and feel the same way as a, a law firm in you know anywhere in the world so i think that israeli law firms are uh, the top israeli firms are at the level of uh, firms anywhere and in terms of their in terms of the way that they operate i think they tend to be leaner than larger uh, international firms large international firms the trend has been towards um, a tremendous level of specialization that's how they've grown and that's why they've grown to the size that they've grown to uh, actually our model at climber capital is, is different our model is to be outside general counsel to our clients um, many of our clients are entrepreneurs they're not going to have full-time lawyers on staff and uh, or, or if they do they tend to be more um, they, they tend to be specialized in certain areas and or, or, um, or certainly have tremendous amount of responsibility and and will need outside help so our, our model is to be outside general counsel to our clients so we tend to staff our matters in a, in a lean way and Israeli law firms actually follow that model, uh, which is to have a high level of partner involvement and attention and, uh, and, and then associate involvement. Um, so the, the turnover at Israeli law firms appears to me to be lower than it is at, at, uh, at large international firms where associates maybe stay for a few years and then move on. Um, Israeli law firms seem to be a little bit more a little bit more stable, the, uh, but it's really uh, there's a lot of similarities. But at the end of the day, there is a, a leaner structure, uh, and uh, and also rates tend to be uh, in, t in in line with the Israeli market, which is um, cost sensitive in terms of uh, charging for legal fees. Sorry, I find your comments to be very interesting. I, you know, today we actually—I'm not sure when we'll be on the air, but in terms of we're having this conversation on uh, September 11th, and you know, today marks the 12th year since the uh, the disaster in New York, and and I was living here at that time. And if I, I, I often say, if you just turn the clock back a little further, back to let's say late 90s, 98, uh, before the dot-com boom. Before a lot of the things that we've been talking about today uh, has have developed in Israel, there has been a tremendous acquisition of knowledge and experience in the last 15 years. Uh, I think if you had visited here 15 years ago, in terms of law firms, accounting firms, other consulting consultants, there's just been a tremendous amount learned here, and it's very gratifying to hear that you know that uh, in the law industry that they've come up to uh, you know on par with uh, their U.S. counterparts uh, in a relatively short time. Well, I mean, uh, you know, my familiarity with Israeli law firms at this point goes back to the beginning of, of my involvement with uh, with I mean, from day one of my practice, I've been involved with Israeli work, and this goes back 15 years. So, um, and um, and I and I found that the level of of, of knowledge and sophistication is very is very high. 
Uh, I think in every country, in, in every state and city in the U.S., there's always a local practice, and then there's a national or international practice. Um, I've, I've, uh, I've also worked with smaller firms, and there's a high level of expertise, but there's definitely a distinction between uh, local practice and, and, and national and international practices. But at the, at the highest levels, you, uh, I think Israeli lawyers uh, can go toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe with lawyers anywhere, um, and that includes lawyers who grew up within the Israeli system and maybe never spent time practicing overseas. Uh, there's just a, a high level of talent there. And there's also folks who have practiced in other cities. Uh, certainly, um, you know, a lot of the lawyers that I know in Israel, I know from the days when they were uh, working here in New York uh, at U.S. firms, for spending a few years here and then uh, uh, gaining some expertise in, Israel, in, in U.S. securities laws during that time period, let's say, or, or doing M&A work here in the U.S., and then they are able to then really help with cross-border transactions because they have that background. Uh, and the same, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the same thing on the hedge fund side. As uh, One thing that I've done uh, is because of Climber Kaplan has a very strong focus on hedge funds. We, we, um, we're, in, in my view, the premier boutique law firm that focuses on hedge funds uh, in the U.S., or, and that really, because U.S. is such a hedge fund center, that really means internationally as well. Um, I've monitored the hedge fund industry in Israel. It, you know, let's say 10 years ago, was almost non-existent, and now, over time, through the work that Yitzrab has done with tour management uh, and getting to know him, uh, I've been able to know what's going on and follow it. And as as that industry has has grown, I think you're going to see. Uh, and, and SUR is a major part of that on the administration side. And um, there's, on the legal side now, you're seeing, um, you're seeing real uh, expertise start to, uh, start to emerge, uh, some of that through folks who spent time overseas and now have come back to Israel, and some of that uh, is more homegrown through the uh, fund scene uh, on, the, on, the, on the venture and private equity side. So uh, I think it's an exciting time uh, in Israel uh, well, in, in many respects, I think one thing I didn't mention earlier when you asked, you know, why are um, uh, international law firms interested in Israel? The reason is that there's activity in Israel. Law firms make money when there's um, when there's activity, when there's business activity. Right. And uh, one of the reasons they're here is because they're hungry for work, and uh, and there's um, and uh, and there's so much uh, activity because Israelis are entrepreneurial and energetic. And 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 they're uh, you know they're they're developing Israel. They're investing throughout the world. Um, their ideas and technologies are driving uh, growth not only in Israel but overseas you know overseas as well. So uh, that's why they're there. All right. Let me in my uh, sort of final question uh, ask you something. Uh, Israel has developed so many entrepreneurs over the last 15 years be it in the high-tech, be it in financial industries, which we've been talking about today. What do you think Israel has to do to keep these, these entrepreneurs here and not look you know, for the proverbial greener pastures? Well, one, one thing, when, when, while we were in Israel for the conference, the, uh, the talk of the country really was the fact that Google was buying Waze, and, um, and people were excited about that, but then... Um, somebody with a lot of insight pointed out that Israel is one of the one of the le uh, leaders in terms of in terms of developing patents, but then it's also 
one of the leaders in terms of then selling those patents to overseas buyers, and then the patent is owned by a non-Israeli uh, entity, which is an interesting, interesting point and an interesting insight. Uh, you know, uh, you can debate how, how, whether that's positive, negative, neutral, but uh, one of the things that I think would make a major difference in Israel were, was if Israel had a more robust uh, uh, capital market, and you know, one of the reasons that Israel people say that Israel has the most listings on Nasdaq. Uh, after, uh, you know, other than the United States and Canada, or um, uh, or maybe maybe China at one point was in there as well. But uh, that's uh, that that's a testament to Israeli innovation technology. It also points to the fact that Israel, on its own, doesn't have large capital markets, and it really never. I don't think you could ever expect Israel necessarily to compete with New York or or London or Hong Kong in terms of capital markets in the traditional sense, or, or having the, you know, necessarily the largest banks in the world or that kind of thing. But having, uh, having a, strengthening Israel's capital markets, I think, would help to um, keep talent in Israel, keep, um, it would help Israel uh, finance more development, and, and, uh, and it would also probably attract, uh, probably attract other uh, you know, people from other countries for looking for capital from Israeli investors. And I think one of the main ways to accomplish that would be to encourage a hedge fund industry in Israel. And the reason for that is that hedge funds generate uh, trading. Trading uh, generates liquidity, and liquidity generates um, stronger capital markets. I think while we were in Israel, people were talking about how the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange had been shrinking, and uh, that volumes was down. Uh, having more hedge fund managers, and one of the other things to mention about hedge fund managers as opposed to a private equity manager or venture capital manager is that the, the, the typical hedge fund manager is a trader, somebody who, um, that, whose knowledge and expertise is in trading securities. And for you to have volume and trading on a stock exchange, it's, it's, it's just logical that having hedge, more hedge funds and hedge fund managers would lead to that kind of volume and trading. Uh, so Keep, uh, keeping talent in Israel and keeping companies listed in Israel and strengthening Israel's economy, I think, depends on having stronger capital markets. And I think hedge funds could be a very important component of that. Um, that leads to that would, that would mean, one of the main things that would be needed for that would be for the for regulators and for policymakers in Israel to recognize that hedge funds could be an important component and therefore become, in a sense, uh, an, an, an export uh, business. People from overseas could invest capital with Israeli managers, and then that would lead to employment in Israel and the retention in Israel of talent in the financial space. And in, in essence, they would be uh, providing a service that is an export uh, service because they're, they're, uh, they'll be managing money, hopefully, for people from overseas. They'll also be managing money for Israelis and creating a sophisticated capital market that retains uh, people uh, who are doing really difficult and interesting work. All right. Well, this is uh, it's good to always end on an optimistic note, and I, I, I hope that uh, your predictions come true, and I hope we can call you in the future to see how, uh, how things are developing in this industry. Max, if people want to be in touch with you, how can they reach you? Well, they can give me a call at 212-880-9883. That's my direct dial in New York. They should always feel free to do that, or they can 
email me. If they look me up online, uh, I'll get back to them very quickly. Fabulous. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.peacestein.com or look for Philip Stein Associates on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.